and know that God. Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be with you today and to hear your word, to understand what's going on, to know you, and to know your your uh, kingdom is is expanding, advancing, increasing. Uh, we're never decreasing. We're never uh, going backwards. We're going forwards. So I do thank you for the opportunity of going forward and getting understanding of what you're doing here in the earth. And we bless you and we honor you and we praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So, Shannon, we'll play those two, I think, back to back. I think it would be if we just cut away and, and go to our, our uh, audio, that will be fine with me. Um, are we live today? No? Nope. Okay. All right. Just asking. Just asking. Uh, nobody's under arrest. I forget what we're doing from time to time. I'm just floating in and out, you know. I was traumatized last night. I went to my class reunion. and <laughs> Very traumatized. You know I mean? But anywho, I love them all. All right? It's a little traumatic, but anywho. But uh, anyway... We're going to talk some about uh, Joseph's relationship to the Pharaoh and um, talk about how God has watchmen relate to uh, natural situations. You know that Joseph was, uh, his life was on course in God, and I think that's one thing that's always true of prophets. Their life is on course in God. You know, whatever happens to you in your life, uh, you're on course with God as long as you worship God and keep your relationship with him strong, you are on course. And so you may have many ups and downs in your life. You may have some uh, times of severe testing and trial. All of these things will happen when you're on course uh, with God for your life. The test really comes to develop your spiritual sharpness. Uh, If you live comfortably in the natural realm, you live natural and never retreat to the spirit. Spirit usually gets to be a place of retreat from the bad stuff that's happening in the the natural until you realize you're supposed to live there. Amen. So God has his way of getting us to connect with him and and walk in fellowship and partnership with him. But you know that Joseph's life was guided by a dream that he had, several dreams that he had, about uh, him being a, a sheaf of wheat and his family being smaller sheaves that bowed to him. So we see him being in power. And whenever God gives power, promises power to an individual, there must be testing that comes to make sure that they'll be responsible with that power. God doesn't promote anybody who doesn't, quote, unquote, pay their dues You know, you have to take a place of training. See, when people look at it in the natural, they think it's a lower place or a higher place. Like the guy who's responsible has it easy. We never look at it the right way. The person that's responsible has what we call responsibility, which means they have to answer to someone in what they're doing. You're never just here to be a boss and not have to answer to anybody. So the best way to train for that is to submit to a boss. You get to learn their ways. You don't get it any other way. 
You don't jump up one day and you're born a boss. You may have the potential for that, but that potential has to be trained. It has to be harnessed. It has to be. And it's good to desire progress, promotion, all of that stuff. It's good to desire that. But you have to desire it in the right way. You've got to, quote, unquote, pay your dues. You've got to learn things. You have to, uh, you know, you, you can't sit in the boss's chair. I don't care if you're their son. You can't be a CEO and run that company into bankruptcy. You've got to, you've got to answer to shareholders. You answer to a lot of people that, uh, that, that are dependent upon you doing an excellent job. So it's not all that it appears to be. You got me? We look at it from one perspective. Oh, boy, that's nice. Look at look at them. They got a limo. They got a chauffeur. They got this. But they have a lot of responsibility if they have a legitimate pay. Even if you're illegitimate, you got a lot of responsibility. So there's no way to escape it. Uh, I was looking at our, uh, our school motto, noblesse oblige, noble rank imposes responsibility. To them who have much, to much is given, much is required. Same thing, you got me? And so when, when you understand that, if you are, are aspiring to, and you should aspire, don't ever condemn a higher position. Don't ever put down somebody who's the boss or who's a supervisor or if you're in a factory, a foreman. You know, people always hate the foreman. And, and you don't know, but maybe your good attendance and your good work record might get you an opportunity to step in that place. But if you've condemned that person and you've hated it all this time, you'll never fit in there. Because something in your heart's telling you it's wrong. You can't embrace what you loathe. You can't embrace what you envy. You have to have a pure heart toward things. So that you can embrace them. You've got to learn to submit to people who have position. You submit to position. Not just people. And I think you should respect people too. You know, people say, well, I'm, I respect the office, but I don't respect them. You're lying to you. You can't. They both go together. Are you kidding me? You've got to love people before God will promote you. And you have to really, really honor people and do it from the heart. You can't just give it lip service and in your heart dislike or hate somebody because they've attained something. It'll never be yours. You'll just be an angry, resentful person that never accomplishes much. So we have to get this in our hearts, folks, that that we have to uh, um, really, really uh, focus in on on what is, what is going on in these situations. And so Joseph's brothers were of that group of people that hated him because he was called to be a leader. They hated him as a kid. He wasn't even doing anything yet. They hated him because God gave him dreams. So your, your gift will make you hated and loved. Just like Jesus, he was hated and loved for his gift. And so we have to accept this as human beings. We have to, you never, not everybody's going to be nice, nice to you. Hmm? And God designs it that way. You ever realize that if people really shun you and dislike you, it's for your own protection? Hmm? When Joseph's brothers threw him in that pit, that was the best thing they could have done for him. Seriously, just to separate him from the hatred in the family. 
because they really meant to kill him, but his older brother was compassionate and understood his father's heart. Need somebody around you who understands the father's heart. They'll know the right thing to do. And he did the right thing, spared his life, but he said, I'm going to have to get him away from his brothers. Maybe we'll sell him, you know, to some people and get him out of here. And, and so that was God's plan. All that was God's plan. And Joseph later in his life came to realize that. See, God will make you aware of what's really going on. You know, a lot of times we like to get offended and people hurt us and they don't treat us right. No, well, what do you do? Mostly we're just reaping what we sow, whether we realize it or not. You know? And then you're doing good because you didn't really get what you knew you had coming to you many times a lot of mercy in our lives and we need to be thankful for that amen <laughs> you know on your bad days you start feeling sorry for yourself and then you catch yourself you say well you know what lord i did this this and this and i never got caught for it and i did that that and that and, huh? <laughs> so it's good so joseph had to get to a place where god could develop him Develop his character, develop his skills. You get developed all around. You know, uh, 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 your development is um, all-encompassing. It's not just your ministry gift and not your personal character. God looks at the whole person. He is here to perfect the whole person. There's no such thing as... You can be an excellent minister and a lousy husband, father, brother, family member. You, they, you're going to have to master them both. And so God wants us to be whole people, not fragmented. And so Joseph had to learn how to be a good brother. He had to learn how to be a forgiving brother, a good son, all of these things. Plus learn how to be faithful in the administration of his gifts. And so we see God orchestrating things in Joseph's life to make sure that he was developed all in every aspect of his being, every aspect of his character. He was to be 100% matured and developed in it before God could use him for what he wanted to use him for. Sometimes the greater your potential, the greater your trial. The greater your responsibility. Amen. Where you see other people, well, they, I don't know why they get their prayers answered so fast. And here I am still, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know God will answer. And, and what else are you going to do with your life? You're going to serve God. So Joseph's dream is about coming to pass. You know the dream where uh, his brothers bowed to him and his father did too. By that time, the whole household was angry with him. He gets sold to Potiphar, who is a chief. And if you look at joseph's history he's always close to people in high authority and so this will let you know something about what's going on in your life because you are are being trained and you are serving people of high rank and so when he is in in potiphar was the captain of pharaoh's army i mean you couldn't get much higher than that so joseph winds up in his house and he's being tested in every aspect of his character. Being an unmarried young man, he is, is uh, uh, trying to live for God. You know, he's, he's, he's a Hebrew. 
And so the Egyptians' customs are not are foreign to them, so they don't really do things like the Egyptians do. And so because of that, uh, Joseph will be tested in many, many areas. Number one, do you stay faithful to God and not try to be a womanizer and all this kind of stuff? Because there are other women around too, other slave people and all that kind of stuff. If he was in charge, he would have authority over certain of those slaves. Can he treat them right? in God's eyes and not take advantage of his power and his authority. So he has many, many things to be tested on and whether he will stay faithful to God. I believe that people like Joseph have a way to stay faithful to God. Maybe he couldn't worship like he did when he was living in his father's house, but he had a way to understand God and work a relationship with God not being able to have the altar and the sacrifices and all that kind of stuff that they probably certainly had uh, back when he was at home. And so his relationship with God was a little modified because he wasn't around his familiar upbringing, but he was still held accountable to hold on to God's standards and God's principles, even though he wasn't where he was supposed to be. That's true of you young people. You go away to school, you go away to college, you can't be at church all the time get back to church as soon as you can you understand what i'm saying you can't you stay out there too long and you wind up just like the worldly people you know it'll get comfortable i always tell people once you miss one service it's easy to miss two it's easy to miss three four and all of that if you're out of town you can't get here that's one thing but when you're in town you need to be here you see what i'm saying instead of skipping around amen living like the world So Joseph stayed faithful to where he was called. He winds up uh, doing very well in, uh, in Potiphar's house, but then he runs into some problems, some conflict. He's set up by the devil for a false accusation. And this is one of the toughest uh, charges to master as far as, see, when you're totally innocent, and somebody tries to lay sin on you as an innocent person, what do you do? So you'll see Joseph is is a prefigure of Christ. He's a lot like Christ is uh, in that aspect. He's he's going through. uh, People, scholars who have studied the Bible say Joseph is the most perfect type of Christ in the Bible, Old Testament. You'll see that. Uh, You know, you'll see some others who are Christ-like, but he's probably the biggest picture that we ever have. That's why he's taught about so much and we understand his life so well is because he really prefigures Christ in a very unique way. So he has to go through the the, uh, pain of accusation, you know, false accusation. And so we see how he makes it through that. He's able to... Uh, weather that he's able to stay faithful amen he's able to humble himself the next person he gets to is a prison guard he humbles himself under the hand of the prison guard and he is promoted i can tell you that when god promotes you or when you are promoted you know you have done something right amen in the sight of god people are not promoted who are not if they are promoted and they're not ready they don't last very long and then we got self-promoters who are always trying to blow up, amen, their legend in their own mind. 
and they don't get very far either. They wind up plummeting right back to the to the ground floor again. And so you don't want to be a self-promoter. You want to be somebody who waits on God. And so God is going through, amen, God is going through all this difficulty, all of these things that Joseph is going through. God puts him through these challenges to develop him to be responsible for what he's going to put in his hand at a later time. And this is something we have to believe and we have to hold on to. When life gets rough, look at the fact that you have some some visions in your heart, you have some ideas uh, going on, and God wants to put you there, but he cannot do it quite yet. He's got to He's got to, to bring some things inside of you, get some things out of you, and develop you in such a way that when you get there, you'll stay. And see, you'll be thankful for it when you get there, because people who get there illegitimately are always sweating whether or not they can do the job. You'd rather have peace and contentment and confidence rather than to have sweat and fear all the time. And God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to enjoy where you are. And so as Joseph then is is groomed and groomed and groomed, he finally gets to a point where uh, God starts to position him again in a place where his uh, ability for visions and dreams comes again. Now, this is the the gift that he started with, the one that got him in trouble because of his immaturity. Uh, Probably Joseph had kept his mouth shut (laughs) about his dream. You know, sometimes let it be between you and God, but then release it where and when God says release it. But sometimes young people, children are just excited about things and they just run and tell it. So that'll get you in some trouble, too. And so you learn how to be discreet as you walk with God and learn how to release things at the appointed time as you walk with God. And so here we see him, uh, the dream, his, his gift of interpretation leaves him for a season. You're not sure if it left him or him, he left it, but it's not prominent in his life. And this is the way it is with many things that we have in God. There are many times where you'll, you'll do certain things and, and you'll be doing them really well for a long period of time. Then all of a sudden that door closes and God starts saying, dig a little deeper. There's more in you. There's more to pull out of you. There's more. You understand what I'm saying? You're not just a one-trick pony. You got me? And so, so, and you want to have the full aspect of what, because life gets boring. You live long enough, you see enough stuff go on, it's like, are we back here again? You mean we got tie-dye shirts again and, and bell-bottom, you know, it's, come on now, can't do this twice. And so, uh, so you know, it, it keeps life interesting, it keeps God in your life, it keeps uh, your your abilities and your ministry in God functioning so that it's relevant and it's helpful to people all that kind of stuff and so there's a purpose that God has for these things so Joseph's dream interpretation gifts leaves him for a season but then what falls into his hand is his administrative gift and he's going to need both of them if you're going to be an administrator for God you've got to be as much natural ability as spiritual ability you know you can't be you know, you can't be stupid in one and smart in the other, you know. So, you know, God wants the total package, so to speak. And so his administrative gift is, is developed when under Potiphar and then again in the prison. 
Uh, the prison guard found De- uh, Joseph to be so faithful, he just let him run everything. He was a prisoner, but he ran everything. So I'm imagining what, you know, and in them prisons, you was, you was locked up. I mean, you had a chain over your neck and, and ankle bracelets. But Joseph ran everything from his ankle bracelets and his chain. You know, the guard might have let him out when he needed to, and then Joseph would get finished. He'd come right back and put himself right back in the... Yeah. It's, it's said that, and it, amen, it's true. It's alluded to in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 105, 103 or 105. Uh, and it talks about the history of Israel. And it says, until his, the word of the Lord came, the word tried him. And it says he was in prison and they hurt his ankles. Man, with, with braces, with fetters, it says, chains around his ankles. So he bore stripes on his ankles the same way Christ did. Amen. So you know, amen, so you know what Jesus had to go through. Joseph is very similar. And we have similar things, too. You know, there was a day that came where I realized I didn't have the freedom to. I thought people were were shunning me and ignoring me, and I realized that there was something stronger withholding me from doing things that I used to do. Got me? And so that's the restraint of God. If you obey that restraint, you'll be fine. If you don't, you know, it's a little trouble. So anyway, so there Joseph is. He's imprisoned, but he is so trustworthy in God. See, there's a place where God has you locked up, but you're free. And that's, that's what we need to, yeah. You're locked up, but you're free. You have enough freedom to do what God wants you to do and pretty much kind of enjoy your life where you just can't get outside yet. Amen. So after a few years, Joseph's dream uh, dream interpretation gift starts to manifest again. He has a dream. Uh, uh, two prisoners have dreams, and he interprets those. And so it's the baker and the, the uh, I think it was the cupbearer and the baker, the butler and the baker, had dreams. One of them was hanged. The other one, his life was spared, but he forgot Joseph was down there in jail. Joseph said, put, a, put in a good word for me and get me out of here. How many of you know that premature release is not what God wants for us? See, so you may feel ready, and you may think you're ready, but only God knows when you're ready. Amen? He knows when you're ready. And so Joseph has to do about another three years, you know, how, how uh, chronic prisoners say, I can't, do, I can't do 10 years, and they do more than that, you know, because they wind up getting right back in there again and doing more. But anyway, he does his time, and then the day comes for his release from prison. And then because of a dream that Pharaoh has, and this is a timely thing, See, there is a place where you can desire freedom so badly you settle for a lesser position. Mm-hmm. See, Joseph, had he been able to release himself from prison with just the credentials of two dreams that he was able to interpret, his gift would have stayed at that level. See, the, the, your maturity at the time of your launch may determine your future ascendancy and limit that to a degree. 
See, God has many, many prophets in the earth. In in Moses' wish for for us, for God's people, is that we would all prophesy. God honored that with the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, where the gifts of the Spirit are there to profit everybody. And so that gift is available to everybody. There are people who who stand in the office of prophet and prophesy. There are people who stand in the office of prophet and and are dormant for many, many years and maybe release one word one time. There are lay people that that have relationship with God where they can get a dream or a vision, which is a prophecy. There's always all kinds of ways that God can release information. That's why I really have a dislike for people who want to call themselves the head chief or something like that or get a bunch of people under them because you the gifts of God are never bound. You know, you can't I mean, why would you want to be in charge of somebody else and you don't even understand a lot of what is going on yourself? You know, I'm not against organization and structure, but sometimes God can't work much in those places because he'll give a, a prophecy and a vision to a very obscure person. And that will be the only prophecy almost they ever get their whole life that they can release to anybody. And it turns the world upside down. You see what I'm saying? You just can't put God in a bottle. That's, that's, that's my point there. You cannot. You, Jesus is the head of the church, and he's the only head. He's the only one the church will ever have. He does what he wants to do. And so when God starts to release gifts like this, it is for the good of humanity. And so when you see the, the spiritual and the natural conversion coming together, uh, God is doing something. He's in charge of the future of humanity. And so in uh, Genesis chapter 41, I have 42, but I think 41, uh, at the end of two full years, Pharaoh dreamed a dream. So Joseph wanting to get out of prison two years earlier may have put him in Pharaoh's court, and it may have put him on the streets begging. Your gift will make room for you and put you in height. You don't make room for your gift. Amen. You cannot make room for your gift. Your gift makes room for you. So God knew exactly where he needed that that gift positioned and when. It was timely because it was Pharaoh's time to prepare for the future of Egypt. And so in all of this was happening already on a time schedule. So the people that God uses, he has to release in the time schedule, in the fullness of time, at the appropriate time. And this was the appropriate time. came to pass at the end of two full years, Pharaoh dreamed and stood by a river, and you know the dream. There were some fat uh, cows and some skinny ones. The skinny ones ate up the fat ones and so forth and so on. And this troubled him very, very much. And he had another dream about thin ears of corn, and then a, a wind sprung up and killed all of those and so forth and so on. Seven thin ears devoured seven uh, good ears, uh, and, and Pharaoh woke, and behold, it was a dream. This is verse 7. It came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. When your spirit's troubled, it doesn't go away like your mind being troubled. You know, a kind word won't soothe that. And he, he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, and there was none that could interpret 
uh, them into Pharaoh. And then the chief butler spoke up and said, now I remember. He wasn't allowed to remember before. There are some people who forget you and, and God's in it. They don't forget you because they don't like you. They forget you because God tells them to forget you. It says, then the chief butler said to Pharaoh, I remember my fault this day. Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in a ward, etc. And he tells a story about Joseph interpreting the dream. Verse 12, there was with us a young man, a Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. We told him he interpreted us to our dreams. Each man, according to a dream, he did interpret and came to pass. As he interpreted us, so it was. Me, he restored my office. To him, he hanged. And Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. It's good to be called for in haste. That's where you know your gift has made room for you. Amen. If you're just another prophet hanging around telling somebody they're going to get a car or a house, there's no haste for that kind of word anymore. The ears are saturated with that kind of stuff. If you can't teach people how to use their faith to get it, you just gave them another word. You see what I'm saying? And so it says he, and Pharaoh called him, came down hastily, shaved himself, changed his clothing, came into Pharaoh. Remember Jesus, when he was being crucified, they did what? Changed his. There are a lot of similarities, you know. Sometimes it just takes a little stopping while you're reading the Bible and listening to God and what he shows you. But it's the same thing. And so and as Jesus was, was crucified when they changed his garments, he was still raised up and elevated, amen, given a name that was above every name. So it was a promotion for Jesus as well. Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. They brought him out. In verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I dreamed a dream. There's none that could interpret it. I've heard say of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. Joseph answered, Pharaoh says, it's not me. Two years ago, we're not sure if he would have said that. See, when you promote yourself, you tend to take credit for the things that God does. Amen. Immature people do it in a, in a New York minute. He said, it's not in me. He said, but God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I don't care what God tells you. If it's God, you will eventually get peace over it. You see, because it settles things. Amen. So Joseph sees this man is in charge of this whole nation and he's greatly disturbed. And the first thing he will do is assure him that he will get peace again when God gives you the answer. And this is how Pharaoh will know that God spoke to him. He said, oh, your servant said, I'm going to get peaceful when I hear this. I'm expecting if this is God. See, it'll bring me peace. And so he says that Pharaoh told him what he, what he, uh, um, dreamed etc etc and so uh, um, verse 28 this is the thing what i've spoken unto pharaoh what god is about to do he's showing you so he says god is going to do something and this is what this dream is about it's about what god's getting ready to do behold the seven years of great plenty will come throughout the land of egypt and then after them seven years of famine all the plenty will be forgotten isn't that true? 
when you broke, you forget about the good days. It's like nothing but doom and gloom now. And he said, it will be forgotten throughout the land, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine. All the plenty will be forgotten. And the plenty will not be known by reason of the famine following, for it will be very grievous. And for that, the dream was doubled twice to Pharaoh, is because the thing is already established. And it's going to come. You can't pray this away. You can't stop it. But you can ask God for provision and for wisdom and how to endure through it. Amen. And that's always true. The righteous will always be held in everlasting remembrance. You will never be forsaken or forgotten. You won't beg bread. You won't starve to death. You won't be out on the streets. God will take care of his people if you stay with God. And so Joseph suggests this. He said, let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint officers over the land, take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in seven. Let's see, all this stuff is boggling Pharaoh's mind. He said, how could this kid come up with this so quick? So here you have the interpretation of the dream and the gift of the word of wisdom to help administrate through it so that you can get a good. You don't just interpret a dream for somebody leave them hanging. That ain't right. You need to press into God for more and find out that more is there. And he said, take a fifth part of the land of Egypt in seven, the seven plenteous years. So for 20% of the production of that whole nation, they'll be able to manage that whole nation in seven years of famine. So it doesn't take much when you follow God's instruction. And let them gather all the food for those good years that come. Lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh. Let him keep food in the cities. And food shall be for store in the land against the seven years of famine. It shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in Pharaoh's eyes. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one? Is anybody here, is any of y'all smart enough to do this for me? Or do we just keep looking? So he says, why don't we appoint Joseph? You're the one that got the, you understand God, you know God. Let's let you do that so that we can trust you through this kind of situation. This is very serious, and we don't want it botched up. So this is why Joseph has to go through his paces. Amen. You've got to have compassion on hungry people. You've got to know who to feed. You've got to know how not to get scammed and how not to get ripped off. You've got to know all those things. And if you're close to God and you know God, then you're able to do it. The final test was, could he do that for people who had betrayed him and put him in this bitter life? And that was his final trial. Even after you're in your cush job, and you got a change of clothes, and you got Egyptian glad rags on, and rings all over everywhere, and mascara on your eyes, and all that kind of stuff. You know, all that that good stuff. You're still going to be tried by God if you're. Huh? God lets the brothers come, and Joseph, probably thinking all those years when he sees them, he's gonna kill them. And all he does is cry like a baby, mascara running everywhere, and he hiding behind the curtain and stuff like that. And, I won't kill him. You let him show up here. Uh He felt like that when he first got that dream. Oh, they're going to bow down to me. It's going to be great. I'm going to be wonderful. He didn't enjoy any of that. He cried like a baby. 
See, that's the difference between the carnal man and the spiritual man. They see things totally differently. Uh, when your spirit's developed, you see it totally differently, amen, than when your spirit is not. So a lot of times people get churches, you know, ministries, and they're not responsible and mature. They'll tend to just be there for the money, ripping people off, you know, just always got their hand out, misusing money, all that kind of stuff. They've not been matured enough on the inside to have compassion on people and know that you're there to serve, not to be served. You got me? And so Joseph is able to understand and know those things. So the important issue here, though, is that God uses the spiritual to help natural administration of things if the church will understand how to mix the two, how the two dovetail. If you feel like as a prophet your only uh, job is to minister to the body of Christ, you're limiting God's ability to help, you know, people out there in the world need information. They need hope. They need, and I'm not saying get a group of people around the table and start prophesying to everybody. But I am saying that God will give us messages many times that will affect the natural, will speak to the natural. I see many prophets trying to get words about leadership and stuff like that in the natural, kind of to make a name for themselves. That never works. Amen. They don't come up with much. They come up with all these vague, you know, and sometimes you try to hand uh, real people that kind of baloney. The stuff we get away with in the church, people out there in the world will never, they look at you and say, what? I don't know nothing. That don't even make sense to me. Huh? Or just shrug you off and let you keep going. So sometimes you got to have your stuff together tighter. To, to make an impact in the world because they don't listen to just everybody. You got me? Our other example is in the book of Daniel in chapter 2, and you'll see Daniel with Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel was positioned again as a slave. Just because you're in a place that you don't like, it doesn't mean your gift can't work and you can't be successful there. In fact, we ain't supposed to like this world at all. We're, we're all passing through here. But you can, you can be a, a pleasant person. You can be a joyful person. You can really enjoy what you're living out of is the inner. You're not living out of people, what they think and what they say and how they treat you and they don't respect you. You know, respect yourself. Huh? Na, 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 na. Now he woke up. He been over there saying, "Respect yourself, na na na, respect yourself." Okay, I can't go up that high. <laughs> Y'all going to do that for? <laughs> I saw little Mavis. They had a little special of her. She's still going strong. Huh? <laughs> still going strong. So, yeah, that, that's it. Respect yourself. And if you do that, nobody gave it to you. Nobody can take it away from you. Amen. So Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Man, Daniel was in his court. Daniel prepared himself for being useful to God by not doing what he saw other people. Not Don't take advantage of that. See, he's in the court of the king, and they had all kinds of rich foods to eat and all kind of delicacies, and Daniel never 
put his lips around none of them Twinkies. Uh, didn't drink they wine. He didn't, you understand what I'm saying? He didn't defile himself. Huh? He didn't know whether God was going to use him big or not. He just said, mm, I don't do that. I was raised a Hebrew and I don't touch that stuff because God told me not to. You obey God wherever you are. And so Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And of course, his, his uh, astrologers couldn't interpret it. It's the thing you got to know about witchcraft. It only goes into the dark realm. There's no light there to give them God's answer. So they can't touch into that, you know. Now, some I've heard some people who are astrologers will make the comment, well, I, I only went so far because I kind of felt like when I got over there, I might bump into God. And he stopped me. See, they tried to get in that door and can't get in it. But Amen. So anyway, it says here, uh, the king had a dream. And, and uh, this is in chapter 2. He dreamed dreams where the spirit was troubled again, and sleep broke from him, so he's worried. And so the king commanded all his sorcerers, magicians, anybody that had anything going for him, all the nickel and dime prophets, you know. King said to them, I dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. And he spoke to the Chaldeans, to the king in Syria, O king, live forever, tell your servants the dream, we'll show you the interpretation. And he said, verse 5, to the Chaldeans, the thing is gone from me, so I don't remember what the dream was. But if you're worth anything, you better tell me what it is, or your head will get cut off in the morning. So he's threatening to kill everybody because they're worthless to him. Huh? <laughs> like the mafia, you're dead to me. And they prove it. <laughs> yeah. So he says, the thing is gone from me, if you will not make it known. And the interpretation, you're going to cut into pieces and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show the dream, you'll be great. I'll elevate you. So anybody that had any kind of gift to conjuring got to work on it. You know, whatever makes your gift cool, you get it. means turning the plate down, you did that. If it meant going out in the desert, whooping yourself, whatever, everybody got busy with it. And so they kept asking him what was a dream. Verse 8, the king answered and said, I know of a certainty that you would gain the time because you see the thing is gone from me. But if you will not make known to me the dream, there is but one decree for you. For you have pre prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore, tell me the dream I shall, and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation. So this is the twicky one. He don't have a dream to tell anybody to interpret, so you can't do a lucky guess situation and see if you can piece it together and it makes sense for him. you got to know the whole show. So he says, if you can tell me to dream and interpret, then I know that the thing is settled. The Chaldeans answer before the king and says, there's not a man on earth that can do this. Therefore, there is no king, lord, or ruler that asks such things of magician, astrologer. So they're used to getting getting a situation and throwing out something you know they probably had as I, you know them people with dream interpretation books and all that that's the stuff that i'm talking about here you know where you can give write a book or there's books there's dream books in the 
dollar dime store, you know, where you can go and you look up something and you play a number and all that kind of stuff. Or if you dream about this, it means that and all that kind of stuff. And so I like to find out what God really says about it. You know, you can get an answer from him. You don't need a book to tell you what things generally mean and God has specific for us, not general. We need a specific word from God. And so he tells them, uh, uh, he said, it's a rare thing, verse 11, that the king requires and there's none that can do it except the gods whose dwelling is not in flesh. So it says we we deal in a limited (laughs) market. (laughs) You got to get higher than us, in other words. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and wanted all of them killed. And the decree went out and Daniel heard about it. So Daniel could either be this kind of guy, hear the decree and say, hmm, it's about time he got rid of all the false prophets. I think I'll just wait and get my nails done. And, you know, after the smoke clears, I'll show up. And But he was not that type of person. When you work for God, you are never that type of person. Uh, when you work for God, you got sense enough to know somebody doesn't have to be removed out of a situation before you your gift will make room for you. Huh? People bring guns to church because they're angry, because they've been sitting there waiting for the pastor to get sick or die or something so they could be the next... And they mad because they don't know. Them people never get the spot. You understand what I'm saying? They never get it. All them carnal people suddenly get spiritual and want to start praying about who God wants to be pastor. And it's over for them crazy people. Nobody has to die in order for you to have a ministry. Are you kidding me? We're in the business of life. So Daniel hears about it and he asks the king to spare them. Huh? Verse 15, he said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? And Arioch told him, Daniel what was going on. Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, and he would show the king the interpretation. So Daniel went to his house, him and his boys, you know, his homeboys. You always got to have your little team of intercessors. It's good to have help. You don't need to be a one-man show or a one-trick pony. You can get help. That they would desire the mercies of the God of heaven. See, people who know God are merciful people. They're not, they're not rejoicing in that somebody's in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Daniel knew them dudes didn't know what they was talking about, but he never went around promoting himself in, in, you know, in their place. He just stayed before God. He says, and so he says, uh, Daniel, he said uh, that, verse 18, that they would desire the mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. You got me? And so Daniel said, listen, if somebody's going to get an interpretation, it's going to have to be us. And so they set about fasting and prayer. Then was the secret revealed to Daniel in the night vision. Now suppose Daniel got happy about everybody dying and he called on God. You never get God. You're going to die with the rest of them. And Daniel knew that. He said, if I don't stay cool and if I don't stay where God positioned me, I'm going to be just like the rest of them. You see, if you regard iniquity in your heart, he will not hear you. 
So he had to be merciful to those men. You see what I'm saying? Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of the God forever, for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and season. He removes kings, sets up kings, gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to them that know understanding, reveals the deep and secret things, and knows what's in the darkness, and, and the light dwells with him. He said, I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what you desired, what we desired of you, for, for you have now made known unto the, to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went in to Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he went and said this to him, destroy not the men of Ben, in other words, spare them. You know, understand what I'm saying? Hey, everybody got to make a living, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they don't know half of what they're talking about, but the king likes them. So let's keep them around. And he said, I will show the king the interpretation. So he brought Daniel before the king in haste and said to him, I found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known to the king the interpretation. And he answered and said to Daniel, will you make known? And Daniel answered in the presence of the king. He said, the secret which the king has demanded cannot, can not the wise men, the astrologers and soothsayers show to the king. But there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. So while he's speaking to him, he says, these men have no power to know this stuff on their own. But they have to seek God for it, you see. And that's what I do. I'm just seeking God. And so he says, the dream and the visions of your head upon the days your bed are these. As for you, O king, your thoughts came into your mind upon your bed, what should come to pass hereafter. And so I'll make it known to you. He said, but as for me, the secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living person. It's not mine. But for their sakes, it shall make known the interpretation of to the king that you might know the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, saw in great, this great image, the great image whose brightness ex it was excellent, stood before you in the form of it was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, it, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet part of iron and clay. You saw till that uh, that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, and the brass, the silver, and the gold broken in pieces together, and became like shaft of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. Now, how could them other nuts, as dependent on their own ideas, figure this out? You see what I'm saying? You couldn't put this together on your own in a million years. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation. You, O king, are king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom and power. So you see here even natural secular people are given their authority and power by God. He sets them up, and he puts them down. He would like to have people who will obey him all the time. You understand me? But people can't be trusted to do that often. And he says, O king, your king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And whatsoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and fowls of heaven, he has given unto your hand and have made you ruler over all of them. So he's the king of, of pretty much the whole known world at that time. 
He says, and after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to you, and a third kingdom of brass, which shall be a ruler rule over all the earth. The fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaks in pieces and subdues all things. And as iron breaks all these things, shall, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas you saw the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, and so forth and so on. He says, you saw the iron mixed with miry clay, as the toes of the feet were part iron, part clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Whereas you saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave to one another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So the mother dudes said, them Chaldeans were saying, huh? You saw all that? You mean, huh? Is all that in that? And in these days of the king shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall be left to other people. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, so forth and so on, the great God has made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Now, yeah, natural kings and rulers and people in authority can get messages from God. You got me? They really can't get messages from God. King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and worshipped Daniel, commanded they should offer an oblation and sweet odors to him. And the king answered Daniel and said of a truth, it is that your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and the king and revealer of secrets. Seeing you could reveal this secret, the king made Daniel a great man, gave him great things, etc., etc. And Daniel requested the king that he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. And so you see here his gift making room for him. Kings want to know what's going on. They want to be secure in their office. They want to have as much information as they can so that they can rule well. But they're careful about the people that they keep around them, that that those people would be trustworthy and that they would be faithful. And so we're living in an age and a time now where you see uh, these these things, they they brought Joseph up in haste. And with King Nebuchadnezzar, he was going to put the Chaldeans to death in haste because there was pressure on him to understand what was going on. And there's pressure on people to understand what's going on so that they can rule well and they can be successful in their ruling. And so this week I was, uh, I, I was able to get a prophecy and to read it and uh, to hear and understand it about, uh, um, um, about the president, about Daniel Trump and, and his presidency. And so... Uh, or running for president, whatever, whatever. But it gave me understanding about some things because when he first started to run and all the people that were angry at him and hateful and still are, I thought, this is this don't sound like a normal person running. This is more like the devil's hatred against somebody. I said, sounds like they're against a Christian, the way this thing is going. Right. And so many times when God begins to move, it starts, you know the reaction, it stirs up a lot of uh, uh, demonic activity that is lying dormant for a long time. This stuff needs to be exposed so everybody can know it's there and we can deal with it as far as the spirit and prayer. But it also reminded me about our prophecy in the uh, um, uh, 
it was a 2015 gathering of eagles. Yeah. Uh, remember when we had the military people there? We talked yeah. about the, the natural and the spiritual watchmen coming together and being able to speak to one another, knowing one another. So, so we're going to play those. So how long is the one from the conference? Seven. Play the other one. Can you play the other one first? Yeah, this is the one that we, we heard on, actually it was on um, Jim Baker's show. Uh, and I didn't really understand it. I heard him say, he said, I promised God I would have the unknown prophets on here. And see, this is where God gets voices out that wouldn't get heard because everybody likes who they like and they never get a chance. It, you know, things get locked up uh, in the kingdom with certain groups of people keeping control over the airways but God. Amen. He has a people. Amen. But we want to hear his voice. So why don't you play that one first and we'll get it. It's in your I know that you all look for people who are going to lead this nation to be somebody ideally who believes in the Bible, knows the Bible but I'm going to tell you something you have to line up with what God wants. This is not about what we want. This is about what God wants. Now, yes. God sees people. Yes. He sees the heart of people. We look on the outward appearance, but God sees their heart. That's right. And he knows there's something in them that is for a purpose that he has brought about. Now, you you were, you were met him first, and he gave you this prophecy. I knew immediately you, it was the word of God. You were the first ones to get this prophecy privately. Yeah. And so, it wasn't on TV or anything. And, yeah. And... You heard this, and this was before Trump declared for running for president. That's correct. It was, that in, right? it was in May of last year. Ted Cruz had announced he was running for president, and my initial reaction with Ted, of course, like a lot of the evangelicals, was, yay, Ted, finally a conservative and a voice. But the minute I read the prophecy, I recognized the voice of God. And I stepped back and I said, but God, Father, what are you saying? And I'm telling you, I'm not just... I want people to hear, Mark, and he, they don't have to believe. No. They don't, they, listen, I have told God that I'm going to put the unknown prophets on this broadcast. Sure. And the people can discern. It is about right. time you all pray for discernment. Yeah. Because who you vote for and who you don't vote for or what you're doing, it's life and death right now Amen. in this country. Amen. And I know that one of the things the church is grieved about is that Donald Trump calls people names. <laughs> they don't like that. The church gets embarrassed by it. But can I tell you something? Jesus called people names. You bikers. <laughs> he called Herod a fox. He called the religious people whitewashed tombs and vipers and snakes. That's a my dirty, Jesus. That's really dirty to be called a tomb. My Jesus was a name caller. Rotten flesh. So get over the name calling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Mark, we're just thrilled that you would talk to us today. Yeah. Uh, I'm nervous doing this show because I don't want you to be nervous about being on television because only your voice is going to be on TV, okay? Uh, that's fine, and I appreciate you guys having me on. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Well, you're already, with your word that God has given you, you're shaking shaking the world with this prophecy. Could you give us 
some of this really shocking prophecy and, and give it in your own words and give it to my audience right now. And I want everybody to listen to what God spoke to him in 2011. Is that right? That's correct. Now, that's a long time ago. That's several years ago. Right. Yeah, five years ago. Wow. Five years, yes. Wow. So, would you go ahead and tell us, what did God say? And it's, it's a shocking uh, and amazing, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it, okay? Okay. Uh, what happened was, uh, in April 28, 2011, I was sitting in front of the TV, and I saw Donald Trump in an interview. And I don't know who was interviewing him, could have been Fox News or whoever. And as I was listening, I didn't know a whole lot about Donald Trump at the time. I just knew he was a very powerful man, had a lot of money, built a multi-billion dollar empire. So as I was sitting there listening, it's like the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm hearing the voice of the president. So I went into my office, I sat down and listened to what the Holy Spirit was telling me, and I began to write. And I titled the prophecy, it's called Commander-in-Chief. And it says, the Spirit of God says, I have chosen this man, Donald Trump, for such a time as this. For as Benjamin Netanyahu is to Israel, so shall this man be the United States of America. For I will use this man to bring honor, respect, and restoration to America. America will be respected once again as the most powerful and prosperous nation on earth other than Israel. The dollar will be the strongest it has ever been in the history of the United States and will once again be the currency by which all others are judged. The Spirit of God says the enemy will quake and shake and fear this man I have anointed. They will even quake and shake when he announces he is running for president. It will be like a shot heard across the world. The enemy will say, what shall we do now? This man knows all our tricks and schemes. We have been robbing America for decades. What shall we do to stop this? The Spirit said, ha, no one shall stop this that I have started. For the enemy has stolen from America for decades, and it stops now. For I will use this man to reap the harvest that the United States has sown for and plunder from the enemy that he has stolen and return it sevenfold back to the United States. The enemy says, Israel, Israel, what about Israel? For Israel will be protected by America once again. Spirit says, yes, America will once again stand hand in hand with Israel, and the two shall be as one. For the ties between Israel and America will be stronger than ever, and Israel will flourish like never before. The Spirit of God says, I will protect America and Israel, for this next president will be a man of his word. When he speaks, the world will listen and know that there is something greater in him than all the others before him. This man's word is his bond, and the world and America will know this, and the enemy will fear this, for this man will be fearless. Spirit says, when the financial harvest begins, this will parallel and spiritual for America. Spirit of God says, in this next election, they will spend billions to keep this president in. It will be like flushing their money down the toilet. Let them waste their money where it comes from and is being used by evil forces at work, but they will not succeed. For this next election will be a clean sweep for the man that I have chosen. They will say things about this man, the enemy, but it will not affect him. And they shall say it rolls off of him like the duck, whereas the feathers of the duck affect this. So shall my feathers protect this next president. Even mainstream news media will be captivated by this man and the abilities that I have gifted him with, and they will even begin to agree with him as the Spirit of God. Wow. Praise God. Yeah, now, what, now, Mark, when you, when you got that word, you wrote it down, did you kind of wonder, God, is this really you? Okay. Well, when I was watching him in the interview, it was like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm listening to the voice of the president. So when I wrote it down, you know, I, I sat on it and just, you know, prayed about it. And, and it just made sense at the time. I mean, it just it really rang in my spirit hard that 
mentioned that the Spirit of God says in this next election they will spend uh, billions to keep this president in. And that is, this, was, this came before the last election. You thought he, that Trump was actually going to run for president and become president uh, in, 2012. in 2012, but Obama was put back in. Is that right? Correct. I had written this prophecy, and I wrote another one called The Great Horse, uh, that there was another triple crown winner coming. And I wrote that one uh, about four months after, uh, actually two months after I wrote Donald Trump prophecy. And I thought all this was supposed to go down in 2012. And so what happened was um, the Lord had me take a, the whole D-Day World War II component to this whole end-time harvest, and I can explain that a little later. But God had me write General Eisenhower's D-Day speech, and he had me rewrite it and address it to his army. So when I did that, I laid all this stuff aside. Now, for all this was supposed to happen in 2012. Well, 2012 came and went. Donald Trump didn't announce he was running. And then the great horse, we didn't have a triple crown winner that year. So I thought I had truly missed all of this, so I just set him aside. Well, fast forward to 2015, I was watching the triple crown race, and American Pharaoh was up, and he won it. Well, I thought, well, let me pull that prophecy back out and see what it said. And then I was on the phone with my sister, and she says, wait a minute, what is the day today? And I said, it's D-Day. So then I went back and I pulled the D-Day speech out because I don't have a platform. And I heard the Lord say, release the speech. So I released it to like people like Colbert's and some friends. And all this stuff came together. And then 10 days later, on June 16th, Donald Trump announced he was running for president. And then I went back and I pulled all this together, pulled it out. And God had brought all this together in a 10-day period. And I said, Lord, did I miss this? And he said, no. He says, go back and research the horse that was running in 2012. So I went back and it was, I'll have another. And I thought that was strange. I thought it meant I'll have another drink. And the Lord said, no, I'll have another one coming. Because my people were not ready in 2012 because I held it off. Because they needed another three or four years to get a righteous anger and rise up and say, enough is enough. And that's what you're seeing taking place now. Yeah, you can. I was going to just say as an aside, the gentleman, the prophet that released all of that, he's a retired firefighter. So, yeah. <laughs> so God helps us to understand these things, right? Remember the fire chief? There was a, the fire department that we got that prophecy. Yep. Okay, go ahead.
with me in this because the Lord's speaking several things to me. And there's a, a, a word of this is that, a word of explanation coming to us. But the prophetic on the drums is a war cry, says the Spirit of God. This is a war cry in the Spirit, says the Lord. A new dimension, a new unveiling, a new revelation of a different dimension of warfare. Not anything changing, not anything radically different, but a different depth and dimension of warfare, says the Spirit of God. For tonight, says the Lord, it has been totally my design says the Lord, where uh, some of you felt that something was going to happen and then something else happened and some of you perplexed, some feel you've been disappointed, you missed it somehow, some uh, just go with the flow, but the Lord says, my word says that when the watchmen see eye to eye, then the coming of the Lord is near. There's a unity coming where there's a convergence of the natural watchmen and the spiritual watchman, where you will know one another and you will see eye to eye. You will come into physical contact with one another, says the Lord. It's a merging of the spiritual and the natural to know one another, to respect one another, to be on one accord and work together, says the Spirit of God. For I've called you to be revealed to those who depend on your prayers and don't even see you and don't even know you, says the Lord. But you are seeing eye to eye now. I'm unveiling my true watchman, my spiritual watchman, to my natural watchman, says the Spirit of God. And you will know one another and you will strengthen one another. And this is the new depth and dimension of warfare, says the Spirit of God, where the natural and the physical converge together to work together for maximum effect in the earth, says the Spirit of God. And I will unveil more of my watchmen and more of my intercessors and more of my prophets and more of my revealers in the earth to their natural counterparts, says the Spirit of God. And you will see policemen, firemen, military people, knowing those who pray for them, coming to them for counsel, coming to them for the word of the Lord, and that my spirit and my natural watchmen will converge together and work together because they see eye to eye, says the Spirit of God. For as they looked at you and you looked at them, there was a connection made by me, says the Spirit of God, where there's an, a strengthening, there is an awareness of one another, says the Lord. There is a, a new dimension of strength and peace and safety that's coming to those who work for me to protect humanity and the natural, says the Lord. For the enemy has come to threaten those that I have put in authority protect, to protect people, says the Spirit of God. But I have caused a revelation to come where there's a strengthening coming to them as the enemy is trying to make them fearful and reluctant to step forth and do what they're called to do. I have called reinforcements to let them know that they are prayed for and loved and cared for. For you have seen eye to eye tonight those that protect and they know you and they will remember that God has done this. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes, says the Spirit of the living God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 
Praise God. Amen. That's it. Okay. Praise God. So now we're kind of seeing a little bit more how these things come together. Amen. So the other thing that I want to do, too, is um, get us to get it in gear for um, going down and praying uh, around the queue because they're already setting up uh, their um, uh, whatever it is, the Republican for the convention. They're already uh, setting up all their surveillance and all of their security stuff. So now would be a good time. Um, I didn't see any kind of activities there where we could buy tickets and get inside. I think that watch party would probably have been the only time that those tickets have been gone for a little while, so we can't do that. But we can do our, our usual. We can drive around the outside of that building and pray, uh, declare protection over that building. You've got two prayers for protection to pray, and those in, can pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit while those pray in the understanding Break the powers of darkness over that place. Uh, all of those drunken spirits, all of those party spirits, all of those out-of-control spirits, because they'll mix with angry people and that show up there and, and break the power of protesters and protester violence. All of those things need to be broken so that the devil does not have easy access to crowds of, of weak people and angry people who just want to stir up trouble. And so if there's some other revelations that we can give to uh, to help that prayer, we'll do that. I was thinking the sooner the better. I know you have the uh, miracle bus today to pass out bread, but tomorrow after service I think would be an excellent time to go there. You need to drive around seven times. Uh, no conversation. Y'all know the drill. You don't talk about nonsense and joke and carry on. Uh, you stay in the spirit and uh, make it serious. If you make it serious, it'll work, and you don't have to feel bad that something went off in your city where you're responsible for and you didn't take care of it. Amen? So, so put self aside and all that other stuff, and teeny bladder committee, y'all go for you get in there because we come on now. We ain't stopping, we ain't going to McDonald's, we, you know what I'm saying, just go pray. Hopefully fasting, but that might be a little much to ask considering it'll be after service, but you know what I'm talking about. Let's, let's break these powers around these things and prophesy to these wicked devils that they can't have this city, they can't have that convention, they can't make trouble there. Uh, you know, and, and let God's work get done because we've heard a prophecy now that says that, uh, that we, we can uh, get peace about the fact that this man is caused, called to do something good and miraculous for this nation. And so, but your vote is your vote. You understand what I'm saying? And so, uh, but, but we just have to stress that we have to follow the leading of the Lord. And oftentimes he does put in power who he wants to put in power when he wants to and for his reasons and for kingdom reasons. And so if we can align ourselves with God, it would be so much better for us. So I'll see if um, if uh, Howard can bring the bus again tomorrow. Fifteen people jump in there. If more people want to go, we'll get another uh, vehicle. Maybe Chuck would want to take her van or something like that. And as many as want to, let's go pray and let's take authority. Amen. Amen. 
Use our power for good. Amen. Use it for good, but make sure we use it. We're not sitting on our hands wondering like most people do and, and feel like victims. There's a lot that we can do. So we'll take take charge of that place and make sure only what God wants to happen happens. Amen. Praise God. So we pray the will of God. Amen. Praise God. So if anybody wants prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. And we're going to have a little uh, something to eat before you go out and do your uh, miracle bus. And uh, we'll just get all our work done today, folks.